The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. into the Word this morning. I want to jump right in. Uh, I know uh, as we get into the Word, there's a few things that we're going to look forward to. If you have the ability to take some notes, it's always helpful to, uh, to jot things down that stand out to you. I'm a firm believer that God is always speaking, that He's speaking very specifically and clearly to us together as a body and then individually. Uh, sometimes as we take down some notes, things that stand out to us personally uh, are... Uh, made very clear for the purpose of revisiting those things in our own time and uh, being uh, uh, ministered to uh, by the Holy Spirit. I want to give you some things to look forward to here. One, we're going to find what we all deal with. Now, there's some things that I think could make this list. It's not an absolute thing. It's not like there's just one thing. But we'll see something in the Scripture that everybody faces and everybody deals with. Uh, And as we see it from that perspective in the Scripture, it can help uh, establish uh, some patterns for success and victory in our lives, just knowing what we all deal with, what we all face and go through. Another thing that we're going to find is how to get where you're going. Now, that's a weird way to say it, but the, the real statement there is, is more how to achieve your goals, what you've set out to do. Uh, there, there's not a single person in this room that isn't at work looking to accomplish something in one way, shape, or form. It could be in relationship, it could be in, in business, it could be in ministry, it could be in any number of things, uh, but we all have activities in our lives where there are goals and we're looking to achieve certain things, and we're going to see how to get where you're going uh, in the scripture. And then another thing we're going to find is what God gave to Jesus and gives to us. What God gave to Jesus and gives to us. Now, uh, once we get to that, it'll uh, make perfect sense and be a... uh, a wonderful thing to have established there in the scripture. So as we get started here, what we all deal with is what I want to start with and open with. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 4 is where we're going to be. So Mark chapter 4 contains a, a passage of scripture that we've used a number of times for a number of different messages, very rich in its content, uh, very uh, 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 full of, of different Uh, things that could be focused on for any uh, uh, number of different topics. But for us today, I want to go to Mark chapter 4, and and I want to see what we all deal with. And I want to offer this to you, and as we read through this, I think we'll all be in agreement that that this represents uh, a day-to-day thing that people deal with. Mark chapter 4, I want to begin reading in verse 35. We're going to look from verse 35 to about verse 41 Uh, So the story may sound a little familiar to you. If it does, hang in there. We'll get to uh, where we're going with this. But beginning in verse 35, Mark chapter 4. On that day when evening came, Jesus said to them, now them is the disciples, so that's you, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took Jesus along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, or there arose a, 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 a heavy storm, And the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was filling up. Jesus himself uh, was on the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we're dying? And he got up and he spoke to the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and became perfectly calm. 
And he said to them, that's the disciples that were in the boat, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they became even more afraid and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So, so that's the story. Now, we've used this for a number of things, as I said before, but today I want to look at something that I believe we all deal with. Now, you have to take a look at this and kind of break it down a little bit, and I don't want to spend too much time doing that because I don't want it to be overanalyzed, but I want us to take a look at what's going on here. There's an objective, right? There's a goal. I mean, here's the goal. Let us go to the other side. That means we're here and we want to go there right? It's not aimless. It's not just wandering about, but there's an intentional destination that's been established and then pursued. Now, that's every single person in this room. It could be in a number of different areas, a number of different ways, but every single person in this room has activities in their life where there is an objective. There's something that's being pursued, something that's, whether it's just simply desirable, whether it's a conviction and a call on the individual's life, there are things that we are pursuing, we are in intentional pursuit of, and you see that here. So immediately now we have some common ground with this little piece of history here. I share in common with the, with the disciples, with Jesus, a destination that's been established. And so Jesus is saying, let's go over there. They get into the boats and they begin to pursue their destination, their, their stated goal, their their. Uh, location that is desired, and as they begin to move in that direction, something changes. The storm rises up, and you know, the storm is, is, is very dramatic, obviously. You have these fierce winds, and the noise, and the lightning, and, and really and truly, in, in any element of, of life or storytelling, the idea of a storm is, is really kind of the, the grandest uh, form of drama that you can introduce into a situation. I mean, it's completely out of an individual's control, it's violent, and, and it's disruptive to what's going on. But when we stop and we think about what's going on here, I, I want to break it down, not to take away any of the theatrical or dramatic effect, because I think that's really important, but to actually just establish in, in simple terms what's happening. The same way that we established there was a stated destination. We're here, we want to go there, let's go there. As we begin to go there, all of a sudden the storm comes. I have to ask myself, what is the storm? Well, I mean, I come from an area where, where lots of weather phenomenon have taken place. I've lived in the Texas Panhandle. I've, I've lived in Norman, Oklahoma, which is where they have like the National Weather Service because of the tremendous storms that take place there. Uh, so there's a lot of things that you can just take into consideration when you think about the storm. I mean, really, all a weather phenomenon is, is, is a collision of opposing forces. That's really all it is. In fact, we kind of live in a very interesting area, even here in Abilene, Texas, because you have warm, moist air from the Gulf of Mexico that is traveling upward, and then you have cool air that's flowing down off of the Rocky Mountains, and somewhere in the middle, which is kind of where we're at, those two things collide, and you get a violent reaction. You get a storm. So you have the idea of, of what a storm is. I mean, it's these two opposing forces colliding, and, and you can sit and you can ruminate on that, think about it, and establish that, yeah, that, that's true. My life 
is, is just going to be one storm after the next because I am a force for the kingdom of God and I live in a world that, that is, is against those things and we're constantly meeting and having this state of collision where there's this reaction, this, this, this uh, response from these two things colliding. But we can go even more simple than that. Remember before we established they, they had a goal, a destination. Let's go over there. Then they start going over there. And the storm rises up. When I ask myself, what's the storm? Well, I can think about what the actual weather phenomenon is. But I want to go even in more simplistic. What is the storm? What is it doing? I mean, when I read this, I see they have a stated goal and they're on their way to achieving their stated goal and the storm is resistance to progress. Resistance to progress. It doesn't have to be a weather phenomenon. It doesn't have to involve lightning and thunder and rain and wind. Every single one of us have stated goals and destinations that we're looking to arrive at. We want to achieve this. We want to accomplish that. And as we set out to achieve this, as we set out to accomplish that, we're met with resistance to progress. That resistance to progress could come in any number of forms. I mean, it could be people, it could be things, it could be uh, emotional, it could be mental, it could be physical, it could be financial. I mean, you name it, and it can fill in that blank. There's no end to the things that can become the resistance to progress when we are going to a stated goal or a stated destination. Now, God's called you to move from glory to glory, from one stated goal or destination to another, and it's very helpful to understand that there will be resistance to that progress. I mean, it helps me to know that I'm not doing something wrong when I feel resistance. Rather, more than likely, I'm doing something right. I am in opposition to the things of the world. So when I do move in that direction, there ought to be this thunder and this lightning. There ought to be this resistance, this reaction between these two opposing forces colliding. It's not that I'm doing something wrong that is causing this resistance. Rather, it's that I'm doing something right that's causing this resistance. That's a good thing. Now then, what do we do with the resistance? I mean, that's, that's the question because the resistance is problematic. It's troublesome. I mean, if you face resistance long enough, it can cause you to, to, to quit or cause you to give up. It can wear you out. I mean, anyone who's ever been in the gym or done any kind of physical exercise, it, it can, can relate to this. I mean, all lifting weights is, is resistance, right? And they even can call it that if you use, you know, trainer terms, which I don't know a lot of trainer terms because I don't hit the gym very often. <laughs> but they'll call it resistance training. Well, if you are exposed to enough resistance, eventually it can wear you out. And before you know it, the strength that you had when you began begins to diminish. So resistance can be problematic. The question is, what do we do with it? If I stay in a constant state of resistance, if I'm always in, in this, this tension, I can wear out. We've got a couple of options here. Uh, you know, one option would be compromise. You can just switch sides. I can just, you know, yield and no longer have any kind of conflict. And, and for a lot of believers, that's an option that ends up being exercised. And in kind of layman's terms, it's, it's just kind of called going with the flow. You know, we don't want to ruffle any feathers. We don't want to stir up the hornet's nest. You know, 
We're just, we're not looking for trouble. We just kind of want to, you know, we're headed that direction and we just want to get there without any kind of issues or challenges. We're not real confrontational. I mean, a storm is a confrontation. That's what it is. It's those two opposing forces colliding and the result is pretty aggressive. If I use the word violent, it, it could easily be misunderstood as a call to violence, and it's not. The, the, the point is, is that when those two opposing vo- forces meet, it has a reaction. Uh, you know, a, a, another option can just be to sit and do nothing and try to wait it out. To just hope that, that eventually things will just change and go away. And, and honestly, sometimes that's not a bad option. I've literally been in storms, and I'm talking literal weather phenomenon, where that's been a, a, an actual option. Just sit and wait, because it'll pass. But Jesus does something here, and he does something really specific. And it's obviously foreign to the disciples that witness it. And I think it's worth taking a, a look at as disciples today. You know, they wake Jesus up and they let him know what's going on. And obviously, he doesn't say, well, guys, we should compromise. Let's turn back. I know God wants us to go this way, but obviously there's resistance. And you know what? I just don't have the heart for it. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm burned out. Let's just go back. We did some good. I think it's a win. Let's just call it. He doesn't say that. And he doesn't just say, hey, guys, chill out, sit still. It'll blow over. You know, we can wait it out, hang in there, you know. And by the way, hang in there is not bad advice, and I give that advice a lot. But he, he does something. I mean, he stands and he produces an action in, in the face of this resistance to progress. And, and I don't think that it's done just as a, a, a display of, of some kind of phenomenon that is outside of my reach. I think it's done as an example to, to me. So that I'll know how to respond to resistance that enters into the progress from the, uh, for, for where God's taking me, for where God is taking us. He stands and he, he speaks, and I think that's a really interesting thing. They wake Jesus up and they obviously reveal their, their measure of fear and, and their, their level of faith in this situation. I mean, don't you care we're dying? I mean, they've already... They've already called it. They've already predicted the end. The end is total destruction, absolute demise. In this case, you know, death, perishing. And the word says that Jesus gets up and he speaks to the wind and the sea and he simply says, hush, be still. And the result then is that the storm becomes perfectly calm. Now, there's a couple of things that I think are worth noting because I, I think it's just interesting. Uh, one is, is when it, he speaks to the storm, there's a word that's used there, and, and depending on what translation of the Bible you have, that word may differ. Some of your translations may say rebuked, and I don't think that's a bad translation, but I don't know that it carries the weight of, of what I would say a good translation would be. The word that, that is, is most accurate that could be used is the word charged. Charged, we don't use that word very often in our, our daily vocabulary, but by definition, it, it is a, a, a release of, of power or the, the storing of power released into a situation or an exercising of authority. Here's, here's a couple of definitions, and this is straight from the dictionary. A, a store or accumulation of impelling force. Charge. Uh, here's, here's another definition, 
Ecclesiastical. Now, that word should sound biblical to you because it, it's like a, the work of the, the pastor or the saints. Ecclesiastical. Now, you have an ecclesiastical call on your life as a Christian. Ecclesiastical jurisdiction committed to the clergyman. The one that's called to, to do the work of God. Jurisdiction, power or authority. When Jesus stand and he charged the storm, he operated in his authority and released an impelling force. And that's the kind of advice or example that I believe God is giving us through this piece of history here. Not just showing us that Jesus is powerful, but rather teaching us the power and the authority that we carry when we're met with resistance carrying out his will. When he calls you to go from this side to that side, to go from there to there, and you're responding to his will, doing the things that he's called you to do, and you're met with resistance, you have jurisdiction to release force you have a call on your life through the power of the holy spirit to release a response to that resistance a response that brings a result so i mean again we're kind of breaking this down we're, we're looking to simplify for the purpose of understanding you know the the what that's going on is the resistance to progress right i mean that's what the storm is doing it's resisting the progress how is it doing it I mean, if you look at the storm itself, you would think, well, it's the wind, and it's the waves, and it's the lightning, and it's the thunder. Now, that could be the case, but I mean, how this is happening, look at what is present before, then what is absent, and then what is present in the end. What's present before, when they leave and they embark on their journey, then what's absent in the middle, when everyone is panicked and, and considering giving up, and then what's present in the end, after the ministry of the Holy Spirit takes place. And when I read the scripture, I look at, I find it at the end. In the end, this is what takes place. And then a great calm occurred. Calm. Nobody gets in a boat when there's a storm. When they go out on their journey, it's calm. Nobody freaks out on a calm boat ride, but the storm interrupts the calm. And Jesus stands and he releases this jurisdiction, this force that he carries as a one anointed with the Holy Spirit, just like you, and the result then is the return of calm. I have to ask myself, in my life, does this happen? And the answer is absolutely yes. There's so many things that I've set out to do that start out calm, then all of a sudden there's this resistance and that calm is threatened or that calm is assaulted or that calm is completely annihilated and the next thing you know, calm is not steering the ship. But panic, rage, anger, frustration, disappointment, hurt, sorrow, you name it, if it's not calm, you don't want it steering the boat. And then to see the result of ministering in the way that Jesus would give his example, the result being the restitution, the restoring of calm, that's really the anointing that God's placed upon our lives. That in the middle of chaos, in the middle of disruption, in the middle of, of absolute anarchy, you and I can speak and minister carrying the power of the Holy Spirit with the anointing and the calling in the name of Jesus, introduce calm. I want to give you a passage of scripture here because I think it's really interesting to me. And, and the reason why I think it's interesting is because there's a lot of things we read in the scripture and we kind of read them for the first time. Like you read about Jesus 
you know, ministering and releasing calm into the storm, and it becomes kind of an interesting story, right? It's like, wow, that's awesome. The reality is all of the disciples who were in the boat were seeing something fulfilled. They were seeing a scripture written uh, decades before come to pass right before their very eyes, something that they'd grown up reading as they would go to synagogue from the book of the Psalms, Psalm 107. I want to read verses 23 through 30. Keep in mind what you just heard from Mark. They're going across the sea. A storm rises up. They fear for their lives. And then there's a release of the power of God and the calm is the result. Now we read from the Psalms written decades before Psalm 107 beginning in verse 23. It speaks of those who go down to the sea in ships. They do their business on the waters. They've seen the works of the Lord and the wonders of the deep. A great storm was raised up and lifted up the waves of the sea. And it rose up all the way to the heavens and went all the way down to the depths. And their souls melted away in misery. They reeled and they staggered around as drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Now verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He brought them out of their distress. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Now verse 30. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. I mean, it's a lot of reading, but what you're seeing here is you're seeing everything that happened in Mark is being written about in the Psalms decades before it ever took place. You're seeing Jesus identifying himself as the Lord. Then they called to the Lord. These men in their distress as the waves were crashing, as everything that you would read in the Psalms was taking place, they're staggering about at their wit's end in misery, wasting away, waiting for death. Then they call upon the Lord. Then someone says, hey, somebody wake Jesus up. And Jesus responds with action. And action that brings about a calm to bring them out of their distress, to cause stillness, and to bring quiet. I, I want that in my life. I mean, it becomes a, a wonderful piece of history uh, to think about the boats and the sea and, and the storm and the lightning and the thunder and the rain. But I want this in my life on a daily basis. I want to be one who is quick to call upon the Lord, to see to it that I'm delivered from my distress. I don't want to live in a constant state of resistance. I'll get tired. And the more I get tired, the more I'm tempted to give up. But I want to respond to that state of resistance with that which is victorious, that which brings about calm, a state of rest, a state of quiet. I want to be quick to call upon the Lord. I want that to be habitual in my life. I want to make it a, a default where it becomes priority one. When faced with situation, when handling circumstance, my first thought is introduce Jesus. Oftentimes I mess around with other solutions before that one comes to pass. Jesus becomes more of a last resort than a first response. I think you see that a lot in the church at large. And you could give all kinds of reasons for that. It can be arrogance, it can be pride, it can be habit, it can be any number of things, learned behavior. But I'm here to get new habits. I'm here to learn new behaviors. 
I'm here to be made new and transformed. I'm here to establish new ways while old things pass away. And for me this morning, I want to be one who becomes quick to call on the name of Jesus. That last passage that we read there, verse 30, I want to reiterate some things from that just quickly because it's interesting to me how it's written. Then they became glad because they were quiet. Does that sound weird to you? Then they became glad because they were quiet. I mean, I want to be a joyful person. I want gladness to be a part of my life. And I can see in this situation, gladness is the result of of all of the, the raging things around me being still, being quiet. And I love that Jesus responds the way he responds in the Gospel of Mark because oftentimes our gladness is conditional upon everything being uh, circumstantially working out. Everything kind of being where it should be and then we're in a good state. The only problem with that is everything isn't always how it should be. In fact, most days nothing's how it should be. The reality is what we carry is the solution to that. Not that we're subject to everything either being where it should be and so we can be calm or everything being out of place so then we're panicked, but we carry the ability to introduce the calm into every situation, into every circumstance. Not only do we carry that ability to do it, we also carry the calling to do that. We're the carriers of peace, and the Scripture makes no apology for that. I mean, Jesus himself says that the sons of God will be peacemakers. Making peace where we go. Not just identifying it, hey, there's peace, hey, there's peace, but rather making it, hey, there's not peace over there, let's make peace. We're the peacemakers. And everywhere we go, we have the anointing and the calling to be just like Jesus, to respond to that resistance to progress and introduce calm. I want to give you a list of reasons here, and we'll move quickly through these, of why peace is under attack. Now, this isn't an absolute list. It's just a few things that I think are interesting and can help you understand why peace is so important and also why peace is constantly under attack. Uh, One would be peace is actually God's identity. I'll give you a passage of Scripture here. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely goes on to speak of this sanctification in body and in soul and in spirit so that you'll be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Did you hear those first words, the God of peace? It's his identity. No wonder there's an attempt to corrupt peace in our lives, to, to disrupt and to disturb and to distort who God is. You realize the men that had peace corrupted in their situation immediately began to forsake that God even cared about them. They looked Jesus in the eyes and said, don't you care? It's not sound thinking. Another reason why peace is so important to protect and why peace is such a high value target to our enemy is God's covenant is the covenant of peace. Isaiah 54.10 says, the mountains may be removed, the hills may shake. But my loving kindness will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will never be shaken. Another one, peace is at the foundation of everything that is the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
Another one is that, that peace is a result of the, the promised Holy Spirit in our lives. As a, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You can find that in Galatians 5 beginning in verse 22. That the fruits of the Holy Spirit are what the Holy Spirit produces in and through your life. Is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. To disrupt peace in the believer's life is to disrupt the, the, the produce, the fruit, the results of the working Holy Spirit in and through their life. Number five uh, uh, that I would give you here is that it's, it is to disrupt righteousness. We need to protect peace in order to protect righteousness. I'll give you a passage of scripture here from the book of James. James chapter 3 verse 18. The seed whose fruit is righteousness will be sown in peace by those who make peace. I mean, it, it's a little bit of a riddle there, but if you pause and you take your time to read it, basically what it says is the people that do righteous things are going to do them in peaceful ways. Basically, it means you're never going to do anything righteous out of anger, out of rage, out of wrath. It will only be out of peace. And that bears witness with the rest of the scripture, that the anger of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. I mean, to protect peace is to open up the door to accomplish the righteous call that we have on our life, to walk in the kingdom of God, to celebrate the covenant of God, to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and to celebrate God's own identity as the God of peace. And every time that calm, every time peace is resisted, we've been given something great to see to it that peace prevails. I mentioned to you uh, that we were going to find a few things, and uh, one of those things I want to reveal right now. I told you we were going to find where you were going. From the Psalms that we read earlier, Psalm 107, when we got to the end there, that they were glad because they were quiet. So God guided them to their desired haven. We're going somewhere that's desirable. We're going somewhere that is intentional. We're going somewhere that God is sending us, and we're doing the things that he's called us to do. Along the way, the resistance that we meet is attempting to disrupt. It's attempting to dishearten. It's attempting to derail and, and in every way imaginable prevent that from coming to pass. But when those things can be made quiet, when that voice of resistance can be silenced with the impartation of peace, that calm restored, the promise from verse 30, is guidance into their desired haven. Guidance to that destination that was desirable, that place where they set out to go. We have goals in our lives. And as I have goals in my life, one of my prayers is, Father, let my voice be used to bring about calm so that we might get where we are called to go. That place of victory that place that brings you honor and glory. I mentioned to you before, we're also going to find out what God gave Jesus and what he gives to us. I want to go to that verse now as we close. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. God highly exalted Jesus and gave to him, that's what God gave him, the name which is above every name. The name that is Jesus. So that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow of those who are on earth, in heaven, and under the earth, and that every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The idea that, that God gives Jesus this name, the name that is above all others, is not just something that is meant to set Jesus apart as absolute or, or victorious, even though it does accomplish that. Rather, it is what God has blessed us with, 
that name which is above every interruption to the progress that God has called us to achieve. That name that's above the storm, that name that's above every sickness, that name that's above disease, that name that is above all forms of resistance, that name that is above poverty, that name that is above whatever you can name, Jesus is above it. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 are declarations of Jesus and who he is and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. His rule and his reign is constantly going to increase and there will be a constant increase of calm. So when I consider the resistance that I face today, when I consider the resistance that we face today, I have to consider the example of Jesus and ask myself, what am I supposed to do in the face of resistance? Jesus stood and he spoke to the resistance. I want to speak to the resistance. We've been given the word to speak. We've been given the name that is above every name. It's not like we have to, to find out what would beat certain things in our life. Rather, we've been given one absolute source of victory, and that is the salvation of our God. That is the name of Jesus. When we know we have a destination, a desired point, a place where we are moving toward, a goal that is being achieved, and it is met with resistance, we have the calling, the anointing, the equipping, and the release to speak to that resistance and to speak to that resistance, Jesus. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray. And as we pray, I want to share a, 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 a quick testimony. It's a way of life, really. Oftentimes, when we pray about our issues, we can be met with, with a constant wrestling match of dealing with different things. But a big part of my personal testimony involves what was just revealed in the scripture here, and that is speaking to that resistance. I remember when I was born again, the moment that I, I surrendered my life to God, the moment that I said, I repent for destroying my life, and I receive your, your gift of forgiveness and your mercy and your grace. It wasn't long after that there was resistance. And in this case, it was temptation to go back into old ways, temptation to regress into old patterns, to, to open up the door for uh, addictions and things like that. And I remember, I even remember where I was standing. It was actually a, a pretty odd location, and there's no need to go into those details. But I just remember that resistance to the progress of what was happening. God had called me out of darkness and into light. I had a desired uh, destination to leave darkness and, and to, to move to light. And then there was resistance to that. I remember speaking to the resistance, and I really attribute speaking to that resistance, the name of Jesus. I attribute that act, that action, that power in Jesus' name to the victory that resulted. I remember saying, addiction in Jesus' name, leave me. 
And I didn't really think about it. I didn't, you know, sit around and try to come up with some kind of a plan or anything like that. I just remember this is a problem. I'm called to go over there, and you're interfering with that destination being achieved, that goal being accomplished, and I'm telling you in Jesus' name, leave. And here I am today, sober. It's a big part of my life. And I see it as something that we can all be equipped with, that the scripture makes it very clear that, that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. That means we need to get used to talking to things that aren't people. The problems that we deal with, I mean, it, it could be really helpful for, for a married couple right now to say, divorce in Jesus' name, leave. It could be very helpful right now for an individual to say, disease in Jesus' name, leave. You can fill in any blank. But we've been called to stand in the face of that resistance that's trying to wear us out, trying to wear us down, trying to make us give up, quit, and go home. And we can release the name of Jesus and restore the call. I don't think that that piece of history that's in the Scripture is just in the Scripture for good reading or entertainment or to set Jesus aside as spectacular. I firmly believe that that is our apostle, our example, that Jesus is showing us how to deal with resistance. Don't be afraid of it. Speak to it. Don't be subject to it. It is subject to you. All in the name of Jesus. It's the wonder of the authority of his name and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the wonder of the blood of Jesus and the invitation to be one of the saints to carry out God's will. I want to pray this morning and I want to ask for God to do that work in our hearts and our minds to bring the word into reality through our actions and our words. You're welcome to be in a state of agreement or, or simply receiving however you choose. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we surrender to your work in our lives, here and now. Let our hearts be open and laid bare before you. There be no resistance to your spoken word, to your impartation, to your delivering hand. Let our minds be given to receive a, a renewal and transformation that we wouldn't be stuck in pride and arrogance and old ways, but that we would be willing to be changed and transformed, molded into the new ways that you've called us to. And let our hearts be given to speak to resistance in the same way that our King would show us to. Let us exercise the authority of the name of Jesus. Let us walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we move from one place to the next, from glory to glory, when we respond to your call to achieve a goal or to arrive at a destination, when we are met with resistance, let that resistance be met with Jesus. Let us be given to speak his name. Let us be given to stand firm, to never give up, and to always see that calm, that peace, that perfect result of the presence of our King imparted into all that we would do and all that we would face. And let the results bring you honor and glory. Let thanksgiving and worship be the end result of every victory. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.